We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of learning doctors. Follow the Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up, Thunder fans? Welcome to the Uncontested podcast we are proud part blue wire podcast network uh this is taylor and i was joined today on the new spotify green room app um formerly the locker room app by two of my co-hosts and good friends jacob who's on vacation greatly appreciate him coming in and talking with us as well as nick who actually just got back from vacation so both of them uh greatly appreciate them coming on because we had a heck of a lot to talk about and what was an absolute crazy day in the nba Uh, We also appreciate all of you all for tuning in. Just a quick disclaimer, due to the the update in the app to the green room from locker room, uh, we still are trying to figure out a way to be able to access access it on a desktop to be able to speak through our podcasting equipment. So tonight, you guys just got us through um, our phones and headphones. However, still some just absolute great content, had a lot of great interaction, um, some people jumping up on stage, even from other teams. So uh, definitely still worth listening to. But uh, be sure to uh, hang in there, and we'll be sure to get that figured out moving forward. But thank you guys again for tuning in. And without further ado, here was my conversation with Nick and Jacob about the crazy day in the NBA. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Uh, Quite the day in the NBA today. Uh, We actually had talked about potentially starting our, for those of you who have been listening, um, last week we finished up our player grade rankings on Wednesdays uh, that we've been doing uh, for for Thunder players this past season. We were looking forward, moving ahead to doing some uh, draft prospect breakdowns on Wednesdays in its place. But with everything going on today, we felt that we would just break it all down, see how or if any of it related to OKC and the Thunder. Um, and then after the draft lottery next Tuesday, we will start breaking down prospects for our Wednesday shows. So I am joined by none other than Nick Crane. Yo, 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 the Fresh Hawks, off the beach, baby. Costa Rica. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we can get into that, too, just to basically put an exclamation point on the crazy day. And uh, live from the mountains of Colorado, you can't keep him off vacation. Jacob Niffin, join us. Greatly appreciated. What's up? Yeah, live from, from Colorado, hanging out here. Uh, I came up right as the Denver Nuggets got swept. And now we are uh, chilling on the podcast. Uh, I, I am able to get away because the lady is doing grad work, grad school work go. up in the room. So both of us are technically working right now, I guess you could say. <laughs> Putting in the work. Impressive. Well, uh, very appreciative of both of you guys joining me because we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I mean, I was going to go like in chronological uh, order, but like Nick mentioned, we actually pushed this back a little bit because... Um, of the crazy Hawks come back against the Sixers. Um, also, 
I guess I, I didn't mention this at the top of the podcast. So we're recording this on what was Locker Room. Now it's updated to uh, Green Room, which is obviously owned by Spotify. It's been updated. And unfortunately, we're still trying to figure out how to um, be able to record through our desktops on here like we were able to with Locker Room. So the quality might not be quite like it normally is for this podcast. Hang with us. Uh, we'll get it fixed and worked out. But until then, the content will be just as good because, like I said, guys, just starting with the Hawks game, give me your guys' initial reactions because I, I don't think I was expecting that when we were about to jump on the podcast. I mean, you could have easily turned that game off, and I'm sure a lot of people did early on. Um, the, the Hawks were down big. Like The Sixers looked like they were running away with the game, looked like they were running away with the series. And Trey Young and Lou Will, you know, we always talk about Guys in the NBA that aren't well-rounded, maybe just scores and, oh, what are scores going to do for you? And we're kind of draft season right now where it's like, oh, all this guy does is score. I think this kind of shows that having scores on your team is maybe not the worst thing. That's a good point. We got Zaid. He wants to come on and uh, and talk with us as well. Yeah, I didn't get to turn on the Philly game until the fourth quarter. Um, I, I was keeping up with the score, but what a just a monumental meltdown in that fourth quarter. And, you know, Joel Embiid going to the line and bricking back-to-back free throws, kind of with the game oh on the gosh. line there. Just, I mean, here's my takeaway. Number one, Philly tried to one-up the Bucks. Number two, if I'm a yes. Philly fan or a Bucks <laughs> fan, I'm on suicide watch tonight. And number three, I'm convinced if the Thunder were in the East, they'd have three titles right now. Oh, 100%. I saw a couple of our son's uh, friends on Twitter talking about uh, talking about the East. And uh, you can't blame them. Uh, obviously, after some more news that we'll get into with Chris Paul today, they certainly have to uh, be feeling a little, maybe jealous is the right term, um, maybe envious um, of the East, <laughs> what seems to be the, the weaker well, East. Jacob Jacob must have a short-term memory. Forgot about this guy named LeBron James that was there and dominated for about a decade. Hey, you know what? Leave me alone. I still think <laughs> the, the Thunder would at least have been in like multiple Eastern Conference championship games or championship series. You know, like, I don't know. It's just the East has just been perpetually bad. And this season really is no exception, right? Like it's... It's borderline like criminal what Philly did tonight, and then what the Bucks have just done all series. Right. Um, so to your guys' point, Brooklyn last night come back from a twenty-two point deficit in the second half, and uh, Atlanta tonight comes back from a twenty-five point deficit. They uh, Trey Young and the Hawks definitely said, "Hold my beer," because just absolutely wild. Like you guys said, an epic collapse. Um, now, I know this would be a good transition to transition over to that game because there is a former Thunder player who went off last night that I think we should probably touch on. But one guy that's been sticking out to me, and Comiard's been talking about it in our in our chat over the past couple of days, um, Ben Simmons. Not the best playoff showing for him. Um, certainly shying away from the spotlight. Um, almost looks scared of the ball. I don't know. I, I kind of want to pick your guys' brains on on your thoughts on Simmons, not only in his playoffs, but just kind of as a whole. Um, I think, like you said, Jacob, before we jumped on here, has his value been, and not that his value is necessarily low right now, but has it been ever been lower? I, I'll chime in here first. I think Jacob may have more to add on. Um, in a different way than Porzingis. You know, I've talked a lot about Porzingis kind of being a beta male. Um, ben Simmons does way more than Porzingis as a playmaker and a passer, but as a offensive just scorer, like you can't be a max contract player and shoot four shots from the floor and then get hack a bend and go four or 14 from the line. Like if you are a max contract player, I don't care if you don't shoot, if all you can do is get to the rim and dunk, you're, you got to shoot the ball more than four times. Like that's, that's just ridiculous. I don't care if you're, I'd rather him go two for 15 than two for four. Yeah. And yeah. Nick, not even on the court at the, on that last possession of the game today, uh, when Philly needed a bucket, like your, your number two guy on your team just cannot do that. Right. I just, that, that flat out just cannot happen. And it's, 
I mean, I don't know. Like we we were talking at the beginning of the season how you know could Philly have traded uh, Ben Simmons for for James Harden and and was that on the table and blah blah blah. That's a to me at this point now that's a no starter. Like mm. <laughs> as, as Ben Simmons is like a net neutral asset. I think at this point he's not a positive and- asset anymore. It'll never be worse. It'll never be worse than the Miami Heat not willing to give up Tyler Hero. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. One hundred percent. I don't know if I'm willing to go. And look, you guys know I've never been super high on Ben Simmons. Um, Always was a little hesitant, um, especially after watching him at LSU his freshman year. Now, granted, I I don't think that can really count because um, he wasn't super interested and invested. But with that being said. I don't know. I think he's still a very positive asset around the league, but I certainly think that he's much more maybe obtainable at this point. Uh, for example, to your point, Jacob, like in, in that trade, absolutely a, a neutral asset. You're going to have to throw in some picks alongside of him, uh, quite a few of them as well, if you're going to be able to get a player at the caliber of James Harden. But speaking of James Harden, speaking of former Thunder players, let's just go ahead. I, I kind of put these chronological here because, again, just a crazy game. But one thing I didn't want it to get lost in all the madness that some people have mentioned on Twitter was KD's game last night, guys. Honestly, uh, it has to be up there as like an all-time great playoff performance. But as crazy as today was, it was kind of out of the spotlight pretty quickly. So really quick, especially with the Thunder Roots, I want to touch on this. Plays all 48 minutes off a of torn Achilles. 49 points, 17 rebounds. 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 16 of 23 from the floor, shot 16 free throws, only missed 3 of them. Give me your guys' thoughts on KD's performance last night. Uh, pretty spectacular. Also, is there another game that comes to mind for you two uh, when KD was on the Thunder, not to take us down a, you know, too far down memory lane, that would maybe compare to this? Game uh, 6, Western Conference Final, Kevin Durant plays all 48 minutes to get the Thunder past the Spurs to play the Miami Heat in the NBA I like that. I like that a lot. Now, I was at Nick, that game. Nick had that one locked and loaded and ready to go. I love it. <laughs> I may or may not have just written a story on that, so it's good timing. Thanks thanks for teeing me up, ah! <laughs> There you go. Hey, that's, that's hey, what I'm here for. Hey, so, yes, the Kevin Durant performance. Uh, legendary. Um, it's going to go down as one of the best playoff performances in a single game we've ever seen. I'm going to take the flip side of the coin on this one, Taylor. Yep. The Milwaukee Bucks, my God. Yeah, it was you awful. Have, you have a former Defensive Player of the Year, first-team all-defensive player this season, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he's guarding Landry Shamit in the corner down the stretch Ugh. in the fourth quarter while KD's going off. Not to mention right? fumbling basketballs on the other side of the court. But Yes, he your point and Chris about. Middleton are both playing less minutes than James Harden coming off a hamstring strain. Oh, like, there you go. I, I forgot to bring that up. I'm not convinced that Bud's not going to play those guys 30 minutes each in game six and say, oh, we need to keep them fresh in a closeout game at home. I mean, yeah. to me, so we, we currently, and we're going to get into this in a second, but we currently have six NBA teams coachless right now. I think after tomorrow night's Bucks-Nets game, we're up to seven, and uh, Mike Budenholzer is also looking for a job. 100%. More holistically, while we're on this topic, before we get off of it, that it's not just – so. The, it's definitely just a Bucks thing on, like, not playing your guys' minutes. But, like, defensive-minded guys or guys that have been first-team all-defense or defensive player of the years, like – that's been very common in this playoff stretch, and I'm pretty confused by it. Like, game one of Hawk Sixers, Ben Simmons didn't even sniff Trey Young, and they got torched. They finally make the adjustment in game two, and it's a completely different story. Like, why is it to save their legs for offense? Like, why are we seeing so many? Like, Lou Dort, in a couple of years in the Thunder back in the playoffs, like, his ass is going to be guarding the best player all game long. That's just, that's just how he's yeah. wired. Why are well, these yeah, other guys not like You match his Nick, minutes Nick with the Kawhi. best player. Yeah, Nick Kawhi didn't guard Luka until what? Right, right. Like what? I, I'm not a coach or a GM. I, I, I'm, I'm a guy that's sitting in front of a podcast mic right now. I can't figure out why these all-NBA defenders aren't guarding. And, and see, I've seen some people on Twitter saying like, Oh, if you think NBA defense is just, hey, go check that man. You don't understand basketball. Like, I understand backside rotations. I understand protecting the rim. 
I understand the help defense. You know what I also understand? The basic two plus two. You have a seven-foot Giannis Antetokounmpo, really the only guy this season that's ever blocked a KD jump shot. The guy that is all defense. Like, your first defense is the, is, is the, the point of attack. Do you not want to defend that the best, right? And then have somebody on the backside helping you? Like, it just, it, it is that plus like only playing him like 35 minutes like i dude i don't get it and like i'm not sitting here saying hey Giannis, go hold kd to five points but i'm saying if you hold him to 44 instead of 49 you probably win exactly yeah when yeah 100 exactly now i will just to toot my own horn here if you guys remember a couple weeks ago i said look one thing i'm looking forward to this playoffs Maybe it's because it's been a little longer since 2016. And I'm, you know, we're getting further and further away. But, and I, I didn't expect it to come this way. But I feel like even, you know, obviously the Golden State thing, we didn't really get to see what I feel like is prime KD growing up watching Kevin Durant um, take the spot like, like, like he did last night. And I really wanted to see him push to his limit and kind of see what he could be able to do, especially looking better and more healthy post uh, Achilles injury here with the, the Brooklyn Nets. And we saw it last night. Um, so for that, uh, I, I like that. And just the, the only other comment that I, I wanted to make also is James Harden, obviously not healthy, didn't look great, but they don't win that game without him being out there at, basically as a quarterback. Some of those passes he had at the top of the key, especially there in the fourth, were just uh, pretty fantastic. So um, as much as Harden annoys me too in his own way, I must commend him as well. You concerned, now, you concerned about KD playing 48 and then coming back and playing maybe another two games this series without – so that's actually a really good point because we had uh, a really good transition because we had uh, LeBron come out today talking about all these injuries, which we're about to dive into, um, talking about how he wasn't in favor of starting so early. He wanted to push back the, the start date, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's a good question about KD. I would like to think no just based off how he looked, but you can't count that out. And why you can't count, count that out is the next two points I want to bring up to you guys and want to discuss um, OKC legend of one, well, I guess two seasons if you include the pre-Thunder years. Chris Paul test positive for COVID-19 and, and is in um, the COVID-19 protocols. He could miss some of next series. Uh, apparently was vaccinated in February, according to Jalen Rose, plus other uh, some other sources have come out and said that as well. I believe The Athletic confirmed it, but I cannot confirm that myself. That's just what yeah. I read. Um, Taylor, Matt, Matt, Matt Barnes came out today and said he spoke to Chris today. Uh, Matt okay. was on, I, I believe he was on the jump and said that Chris told him he got vaxxed back in February with multiple other players. So that's scary. Um, but one other, one other bullet point is somebody else from ESPN, uh, Windhorse. He states that there is more to come out on this, but that the positive case is not Suns related. So I wanted to pick your guys' brain on Chris Paul. Uh, maybe this wasn't the great, <laughs> the first one I should have thrown out for the transition. Um, but regardless, this is huge for the Suns after Chris Paul comes back from that injury, that shoulder injury that he had there in the last series, uh, playing some of his best basketball. And uh, the Suns are clicking on all c- cylinders. Now this. Yeah, you, you got to hope that, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I think at this point they probably know it's not a an inconclusive or a false positive test. You got to hope he's asymptomatic and can get out of the protocol pretty quick. Just killer luck for, for Chris Paul, who this is what his second Western Conference Finals ever in his incredible career. He He's on the cusp. I mean, regardless of who wins this Clippers-Utah series, um, I think the Suns are probably favored uh, to come out of the West at this point. And a big reason for that is Chris Paul. And so you just hope that that he can get over this quickly and can be ready, maybe if not for game one, then maybe game two, and won't miss a lot of time because of it. Um, just because, I mean, just what what crappy luck for Chris. And, and I... Right. I want to see that Suns team at full strength in that Western Conference Finals. Yeah, listen, it's like Chris Paul's what thirty five, thirty six. Like he's older. Like I, I know, like Jacob, you're like fifty, so it, maybe that doesn't seem that old. But like, like there's there's a there's a real thing. Like if if it's true that he has COVID, like there's definitely players that we've seen have pretty bad symptoms even after. Um, like they're fully cleared. Like we may not get 
Um, Chris Paul back the way he was. We, we may get him back perfect. We may not, though. It's, it's kind of the unknown. I would say if, uh, if Utah wins the series over the Clippers, and it, it seems like they likely will with Kawhi out, um, I think the Suns are probably done without Chris Paul. I think Devin Booker can probably get him a game or two if he goes off for 40 or 50. But the interesting thing is that the Clippers somehow pull this off. I think the Kawhi-less Clippers and the Chris Paul-less Suns, I think the Suns could actually maybe pull that off. I, I think I trust Devin Booker over playoff P almost as, as the lead guy. That's interesting. Um, and I'm with you, but at the same time, like Chris Paul has just been so critical for that team, um, even from a leadership standpoint. Now, this also brings up like a bigger point, um, even outside of basketball that I don't want to dive too deep into, but the fact somebody was vaccinated, still test positive for COVID-19. Um, now, obviously, you know, the vaccine is not going to uh, 100% completely prevent a person from catching it. Um, but it will, you know, obviously help with symptoms and um, make it not so severe. But regardless, uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of tweets, for example, talking about, you know, LeBron gets to go and hang out with with uh, Drake and Michael B. Jordan and all those guys at his tequila tasting. Um, but Chris Paul test positive for, you know, whatever reason, whoever he was exposed to or exposed by. And uh, they aren't going to let him play now. I don't know. Like you guys said, it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle it since we've had multiple sources confirm now that he has been, in fact, ha- has in fact been vaccinated. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. But I, I hope he gets back and he's healthy and, and he's good to go uh, sooner rather than later. 100%. I agree. Now, somebody else, and again, this is probably one I should have let off with to make that transition from next question about Kevin Durant playing 48 full minutes. Are we concerned about his next game? Um, well, we have Kawhi Leonard, a player who just cannot seem to stay healthy, and it just sucks because I, in some ways I feel like we're being robbed of his prime. We, we saw him just completely take over, um, really, over the past couple of weeks, much less the past couple of games. But Kawhi has hurt his ACL out indefinitely. Sean's reported at first. Um, but Ramona Shelburne of ESPN said that on, on ESPN today that they're calling it a sprain, the Clippers calling it a sprain for now because, and this is not a great sign, because they're waiting on the swelling to go down so they can get more imaging to see the severity. Yeah, but they're expecting to be without him the rest of the series. Thoughts on Kawhi, thoughts on that series, but uh, maybe even bigger picture, Kawhi's career long-term moving forward. Yeah, so I saw that an NBA spokesperson came out today after LeBron's tweet about, you know, oh, we rushed it and guys are getting too injured. Uh, and they said that injuries this season uh, with all-star players and just across the league are were the same as yep. for the past two or three seasons. So there's not more injuries happening. Uh, maybe they just seem more significant right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, sucks for Kawhi because I wanted to see that Clippers team at full strength and, you know, I also wanted to see that Jazz team at full strength, obviously playing without Mike Conley as well. But without Kawhi, I don't know, it, it feels like it's an inevitability that the, the Clippers will end up losing this series. Um, does that play a role in his free agency coming up this summer? Um, I think if it did at all, it would be something more along the lines of um, – Something Sorry, more along the a... lines. No, you're good. Uh, of making him want to come back to LA for like unfinished business. I agree. I, that that's a good point, and that kind of relates to the Thunder. Now, Kiwi Gray was going to jump up and say something. Um, I invited him, up, or he, I, I accepted him up a little too uh, quickly. I think he has some background feedback. So, uh, Kiwi Gray, I'm going to bring you back up here. Oh, Kiwi, can you hear us? Yeah, I was say, yeah, yep. Um, just going to say that um, got to remember, you know, you hate injuries and all that, but we've got the Clippers first round draft pick next year. Exactly. Yep. And, and with the way that how strong the East, uh, the West is, you know, without Kawhi, that they, they will struggle. Yeah, and if if it uh, the fear of a torn ACL is true, that's, I mean, we're looking at an eight to twelve month recovery time, which. Eight months from now, I'm not great at math, guys. That puts us at <laughs> February of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's through most of the season. So, I mean, that that could play a play a role in in that pick coming to the Thunder next season, right? Um, you know how how do the Clippers, you know, restructure their 
their team a little bit this offseason. How long is, is Kawhi out for? There, it's still a lot of things up in the air at this point, and so it's really hard to speculate. But once we get a clear answer on Kawhi's knee and what, what is the, the final diagnosis and what has to happen for him to get better, I think we can start to project maybe a little bit more on if, if that's going to impact that Thunder pick next year. Sam Presti signs him to a contract this summer, fully knowing he's going to miss next season. Team can still tank. <laughs> Use that cap space, baby. Team can like still it. tank, Nick. The the Clippers get worse. You you increase the value of both picks. Yep. Chestnut checkers, baby. Chestnut checkers. Yep. You you get you get a you get a couple top five picks this year. You get another top five pick next year. Kawhi all of a sudden is on this team with four young superstars. Sam Presti. Four for two Clippers. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, thanks for coming up, Kiwi Greg. Uh, really good. Love the accent, by the way. Yeah, I yes, know. And, and Nate, Nate in the chat brings up that pick is unprotected too, um, which, hey, you want those unprotected picks because if they somehow miss the playoffs and end up with the 13th worst record oh, in the league, yeah. hey, all you need is a ping pong ball to fall the right way, man. It's all you need. So true. So true. Great points. Uh, but that wasn't the only news for today. That was player-related, but shortly after, it quickly shifted to NBA coaches as we had a couple, um, well, one quote-unquote firing, but the other one was a quote-unquote uh, mutual agreement to part ways because, you know, that's the, the new coach being fired. First one, though, was kind of, a, like in hindsight, maybe not too surprising, but certainly didn't expect the news today. Um, Pelicans fire head coach Standing Gundy. Fred Vinson uh, is a current Pelicans assistant. Teresa Witherspoon, another Pelicans assistant. Jackie Vaughn, obviously former Brooklyn, Brooklyn head coach. Uh, Eam Udoka, who is a uh, also an assistant coach for Brooklyn. You have Charles Lee with Milwaukee. And, of course, it wouldn't be an NBA head coaching search without Jason Kidd. All listed as candidates um, for this, this position. The first two, obviously, being the assistants, Kevin O'Connor comes out and says that uh, both are to be serious candidates to replace uh, Stan Van Gundy, and the others, as well as reports, were candidates last year before they ultimately decided on SVG. So, what do you guys think about Stan Van Gundy being out? Also, sorry, one last thing. This will be Zion's third coach in three years. Yikes. Yes. So, Nick, I'm interested in your thoughts on this one as well. We don't have a ton of background information, at least... I haven't read the ESPN article yet, so I might be uh, speaking a little bit ignorantly on this. Um, they did not progress as they wanted to understand, but he was also coaching a team that was playing Zion, Steven Adams, and Eric Bledsoe in a starting lineup. You can't <laughs> exist in the modern NBA with that. So I know they said it was mutual, um, just like how every time uh, you and a girl break up or you and a boy break up, um, it's quote unquote mutual, except somebody initiated it. I feel like this is initiated from the Pelicans front office. Hey, shout out to the owners for being willing to pay that the rest of that contract out. But your next coach is going to have the same problem. If the roster is as inflexible as it was this season. Yeah. I'm wondering to, um, if this is, and I haven't read the ESPN article either. So I could be saying something that's already been reported. Um, not trying to regurgitate, but I wonder if this is the first move of a couple because Pelican's ownership got kind of blasted by JJ Reddick last year. And it seems like other players kind of spoke out too, saying Pelican's front office is kind of shady and doesn't, you know, they're kind of the, the anti Presti. They don't take into account what their players want. I'm wondering if this is, you know, SVGs, the, the coach that's going to be gone now. And maybe they're, I mean, I don't think, you know, it's going to be as drastic as Dallas, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, at the very top, but I, I wonder if there's going to be some front office changes as well and if it's going to be one of those more complete overhauls. That's interesting, and especially, um, I mean, look, Zion's still on his rookie rookie deal. Um, it, it's very rare for rookies to turn down, or not rookies, but young players to turn down that rookie extension, but, and um, we'll talk about this as well, but like we've seen that with the situation with Dallas, um, and even just the, the player and movement that I think we've seen over the, the past decade in the NBA, it just because you have a player side long term on a contract, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're there to stay. So obviously, and it's three coaches in three years. If you're 
if you get to year four and you're four coaches in four years for Zion, I'd probably be wanting the heck out of there. Um, so, yeah, well, hey, don't forget Zion's quote after playing in Madison Square Garden saying this is my favorite place in the league to play. You know, that has to yeah, be sitting true. in the back of the That's mind of, 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 you know, the front office in New Orleans as well. So before we move on really quick, John Turner wants to jump up. He has something to say about Zion and Pels. John, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How is everybody going, doing tonight? We're doing good. Good, good. Lots to talk about. Fun stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just here to chime in as the resident uh, Pelicans fan, unfortunately. Beautiful. We love it. We <laughs> love that's, it. that's a good thing. Not unfortunately. Yeah. Fine. Fine. <laughs> it, it just seems like we could just never have anything nice. It's just turmoil after turmoil. But just to chime in, I, I um I did I did watch the uh, David Griffin press conference earlier, and okay. I also was in a room earlier um, with Kevin O'Connor and two of the guys, uh, Mason Ginsburg and Shami Dua. They covered the Pelicans as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, we know yeah, we know Shamit well. Yeah, so pretty much, um, and just just as a fan, if you just probably just been watching the team or just keep up with it. Um, pretty much Stan Van Gutty had lost the locker room and him and Brandon Ingram never could get along really is, is what it sounded like. Um, and so, you know, um, when Stan Van Gutty, a lot of the fan base and a lot of the fan, fans, when you talk to them, it wasn't an, an, an exciting hire to begin with. Uh, but you know, we always gave him the benefit of the doubt, like Stan, we needed a tough coach. Elvin Gentry wasn't as tough. Um, he kind of cottered him, um, which was the issue. He didn't really hold him accountable. So when you bring in Stan Van Gunny, you know, you think, okay, we got a, a hard-nosed coach that's going to teach the X's and O's. And it kind of just never got there. And I think that was the biggest issue. Once you lose the locker room with a bunch of young players, it's it's not good for you. Um, kind of similar to the Pacers situation, but maybe not yep. that extreme. No, I think that's a really good point. Now, I, I, I had heard those rumors. They're not rumors. I'd probably read those rumors on Twitter um, about Van Gundy kind of losing the locker room there. Some of the young players not resonating with him. But, John, I really appreciate your insight there, especially uh, specifically as it relates to Ingram. Um, I hadn't heard that specifically, so that's that's really fascinating as well. Because, again, there there comes a certain point, and, and I don't think – look, I'm a big Ingram fan, especially after what he's done since coming over to New Orleans. Um, but you have to start evaluating how he fits with Zion. And uh, it's more so, I think, probably the players around them. But regardless, that that is pretty interesting. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to chime in, it kind of had been uh, the exit interviews really kind of said a lot um, when they would bring up Stan Van Gundy to Ingram. And they said the relationship got better along as the season went on, but it was never perfect. And just the last thing um, before y'all move on was the other issue was that uh, Stan relied on the vets. So Eric Bledsoe clearly wasn't a good fit, but he still refused to play Nikhil Alexander and Kyra Lewis and kind of caused yep. the button up the head of the front office. That's a, a yeah, another and, great point. We're, uh, we're yeah, because the front office, big it sounded like too. the front office really wanted like, you know, if 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 it's not working, see how Nikhil plays with Lonzo and Nikhil plays with, you know, you kind of want to see what the young guys can do together. And Stan kind of was more on the Bledsoe, James Johnson, type of thing yeah and hey sorry Jacob. Go ahead. john trust us we we are we are all fans of of Nikhil over here uh we we want to pair the canadian cousins back together in oklahoma city no offense to, <laughs> to steal steal Nikhil from you guys but hey john before you hop off of here real quick i just uh, as, as the resident new orleans guy here i want your thought um obviously just the very beginnings of a coaching search here but you get the feeling they're going to go find someone from outside or they're going to take someone from within? Um, it, It's kind of – so, like, the first – of course, the first rumors was always Teresa Witherspoon, who yep, all the that. players seem like they love her. Um, I seen a clip earlier uh, that was sent in a group message I'm in, and pretty much it was Jalen Brown. I guess he did a GQ interview, and he was speaking, like, so highly of Teresa Witherspoon. Um, so that's, that's who a lot of the fan base is gravitating to it. And David Griffin actually brought her up in his press conference today, but the way that he brought it up more sounded like 
he wants her to be a part of the team, but not so much the coach. But sometimes David Griffin talks in riddles a little bit, so I don't know what to believe from him sometimes. And then but Fred, it, it, and then, uh, you talked about Kevin O'Connor. Uh, being in the locker room, chat with him, or I guess now uh, the green room. Uh, Fred Vinson, another Pels assistant, is supposed to be up there as well. Um, we'll be really yeah, but but yeah, but if they don't go with Teresa, I think some of the uh, coaches that y'all did name, such as uh, I think it's Emo Aduku, yep, um, Doc Vaughn. I, I, I think just based off the names, it does sound like they're trying to go with a much younger coach. If you just look at like outside of Jason Kidd, a lot of the you know, names on the on the rumor list is, you know, probably less than 40 years old. So if it's not Teresa, I do think they go with a much younger coach. Um, Actually, Mark Spears spoke on it on the jump, I think, and he said Charles Lee with the Bucks Ooh, is one of yep. the leading candidates. That's and a good a, one too. Yeah, and he's only 36 years old. So I, I think that's kind of like the direction they kind of want to gravitate to. That makes sense, a younger coach for uh... – for a younger roster, and Charles Lee's what thirty six? Yeah, yeah, I had I had to look him up earlier because I wasn't too familiar with him. But he used to play overseas, but he turns thirty seven, I think, this year. Yeah, he was a uh, last summer when there was all those openings. I mean, it's probably going to be a similar number to this off season. He was a uh, he was a pretty big name. A lot of a lot of teams were checking checking him out. So I think that'd be an awesome hire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting names there. So, awesome. John, thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah, yeah, no problems. Uh, First time listening, so it's pretty good, though. (laughs) Appreciate hey, it. Hey, hey, thank you. Thank you for that. Of course. Well, uh, it wasn't only Sam Van Gundy who uh, came to a mutual agreement to part ways today, as they say these days. Uh, Scott Brooks, ex-Thunder coach Scott Brooks. And the Scotty Wizards B. Part ways after failing to reach an extension. Uh, now, according to the ESPN article I read, apparently Russ and Bill both endorsed bringing him back after um, – you know, fighting there in the in the first round. Um, Bill is entering. Now, this is really interesting as well. Kind of, uh, I mentioned Zion having three coaches in, in his three seasons upcoming, but um, something else to keep monitoring from a player standpoint. You have Bradley Bill entering his final season of his contract in this upcoming season. So you obviously want to be sure to hit this higher out of the park um, or else <laughs> it may not be pretty. 
And we also have seen what happens when you have an angry Russ, right? Or a Russ who doesn't necessarily appreciate, appreciate the culture, um, or, or the coach, um, at the head of everything. So what are your guys' thoughts on the Scott's Brooks hire? Do you think it's the right move? Um, any candidates you think that could make sense for Russ and Bill? What are your thoughts on the whole situation with Wizards? I mean, mm-hmm. they were they were good down the stretch. Like it, just like many teams, it takes a little bit to get gelled. If you look at them post All Star break, like they were actually a really really good team. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, it was one of those situations similar to Billy D with Oklahoma City last summer. His contract was up, and it was just a matter of can you agree to a new deal based on you know conversations with the front office and direction of the team. Or is it just not going to work out? Um, and it just seems like it didn't work out. So I don't know reasoning why. Um, obviously, we had the luxury of listening to Sam Presti kind of give reasoning for Billy Donovan. Haven't heard anything for Scott Brooks. But um, I, I would say it's it's definitely got to be a little bit of him not wanting to come back or not feeling like he's the right fit because... Um, I mean, he was, he was great down the stretch. Like if there's, if there's one thing you want to see from a head coach, it's, it's getting better throughout the season. And they did that like them, the first 20 games of the season versus the last 20 night and day. Yeah, definitely Nick. And, you know, part of that also was just the nature of this season and Washington had lots of COVID outbreaks and stuff as well. But Nick, I was going to ask you this as well. So Scott Brooks is out. You mentioned this with the Pelicans, you know, is that maybe the precursor to more moves? Could we be looking at the same thing in Washington? If you're going to bring in a new coach, do you bring in a young guy and reset the roster and see what you can get for, for Russ and Beal? And, and is it time to hit the reset button around those younger guys that they have, the, the Denny Avdias, the Ruby Hachimuras, et cetera, et cetera? Or, I mean, yeah, they, they played good this, this season whenever they were healthy, but what's the what's the pinnacle of this team next year if they run it back like losing six in the first round you know uh, is it maybe 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 push for a second round series maybe push for for not being in the play-in tournament like it just feels like they're continually delaying the inevitable to me like is now maybe the right time to hit the reset button on the franchise i think their hands are kind of tied right like especially with russ like you could get a haul for Brad Beal, obviously. Um, don't know what you can get for Russ. So I would, I mean, again, if I were the front office, I don't know the answer to the question about do you overhaul the front office, but the second part of that question, like what do you do with the team? I would rather see them try to package um, like a Davi Spertons who didn't work out great for another pseudo star i don't think they're going to get another real star in washington but if you can get a legit third option i think bertans had a great season he got paid they thought he could be a huge piece he wasn't great if you could get a pseudo third star to play alongside russ and beal i would rather see them try to run it back one more time versus trying to dump everybody and and hit reset See, I, I, I kind of think it's time, um, especially from a bill standpoint. I think you'll find yourself kind of in an interim period. Like we saw OKC um, now technically two seasons ago, but obviously the CP3 year. But a, a different circumstance, you have Russ leading the team, and you're going to get some, obviously a lot in return for Bradley Bill. And then after a year, maybe another season, you really kind of start to rebuild. I think that's probably the direction to go, but based off everything Tommy Shepard says, um, everything that the ownership's about, everything that team has shown, they're going to hold on to Bradley Bill, and they're going to make him. It, it, they're they're going to hold out hope, and it may end up being a Kevin Durant situation. Speaking of OKC, but um, I don't see them shipping him off this offseason. I'm just really curious who they bring in for the head coaching position, especially when you have personalities like Russ and players like Bill on that team. Um, it was kind of interesting. I saw a tweet about Mo Cheeks. Would they entertain bringing Mo Cheeks over because of Russ? I can't remember who said that, and I apologize for if that person's listening. But um, that's interesting. Uh, I, I don't think I necessarily like that, but there's definitely some op- options there. So we talked a lot about injuries. Uh, there's two more. I don't know if we really need to dive into these, but Conley and Kyrie both were announced to uh, miss their respective next games and their respective series. 
So, again, more injuries to star players, not great. Um, speaking of Kevin Durant, we'll see if he can replicate what he did last night um, in this next game because he's going to have a half-hobbled Harden and no Kyrie. Um, so not sure if you guys have any thoughts on Kyrie and Conley, but I certainly wanted to mention that because that was uh, kind of hidden there in the news dump today. Um, I think... It's hard. I think the the Conley injury is is less of a big deal. Um, I think you obviously what we're seeing tonight. You bring in someone like Jordan Clarkson, who obviously is not the playmaker, the passer of Mike Conley, but he's going to get it done offensively in general. Um, I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, on the flip side, if you get another five point game, I think it was five points from James Harden on the Brooklyn side of things. I don't know if KD can carry you again. Like, like that was a literal historic performance. I'm not saying it's impossible to replicate, but if you're going to ask KD to go out and have another nearly 50, 15, and 10 game to win in Harden's absence of scoring, that's tough. So I think the Kyrie news is definitely a bigger deal than Conley. But I don't know, at the end of the day, I feel like the Bucks. Not necessarily a folded, but the comments Giannis made last night when he just straight up like crowned KD the best player in the league right now, that's just kind of weak, man, in my opinion. Like, you don't say that stuff mid series. You don't, it just feels like he knows KD is, I don't know. It's, he's almost bowing down. <laughs> right, right. You don't, you don't do that to your competitor. Like, after the series, after you lose, sure, say, you know, KD is the best player in the world right now. Props to him. I don't think you say that mid series. Yeah, I think no, I, I think uh, and I'll, I'll tell you who's not going to say that mid series. PJ Tucker, no doubt. That yeah. guy, good point, is a, is a dog, and he probably chewed Giannis out for that after he heard that. That's what my one hundred percent. Yeah, he. It, it's been good. PJ's had a rough season, so it's been a. Uh, it's been good to see see him play well. Well, before we move on real quick, we have another speaker request, Marcus Kruger. How's it going, Marcus? Hey, who'd win in a fight, PJ Tucker or Kevin Durant? Oh, PJ, oh. by a mile. <laughs> PJ would give him the smoke. He, KD doesn't want that. KD talks a lot, but PJ, oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I was, uh, I was listening to some NBA channel on Sirius, and they were saying, oh, PJ's brave getting up in Kevin Durant's face. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Kevin Durant's like still 212 pounds, and PJ Tucker looks like he's a good, you know, he's a biscuit shy of 270. I think, <laughs> I think, I think PJ can can handle him. Oh yeah, PJ put those paws on him; it'd be over. Yeah, 100. percent Yeah, Kevin Durant would go back, uh, go back to his phone and start tweeting off his burners uh, about how much he dislikes PJ Tucker and how weak PJ is. I'm with you, Marcus. Hey, really, uh, really fun question. I like that. So. uh one last, one last, and this arguably could be the biggest thing that came out today and the NBA's news dump before we, we go through, um, the questions in the chat. Cause we have quite a few questions in the chat as well that we want to get to. Appreciate all of you guys listening and tuning in. But we got to talk, talk about the Dallas Mavericks down in, uh, Nick's neck of the woods. Mavs part way with GM Donnie Nelson after the reports from Tim Cotto and Sam Amick of the Athletic. Um, Mark Stein mentions that Michael Finley, could be a possible replacement. He's been with the front office there for a while, obviously a former uh, Maverick player. And uh, they also hired outside search counsel. I need to look that up again. Apparently it's like some famous soccer exec who like heads this and uh, is well-respected throughout the NBA league as well in terms of coaching searches, or sorry, GM searches and, and front office uh, executive searches. So some big news here. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway for me, just kind of start us off here. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you have, um, wow, why am I going blank? Mark Cuban, Cuban. Uh, coming out and saying, you know, bullshit, calling bullshit on the article. But I think it's pretty clear now who gave uh, the athletic that information, and it was Donnie Nelson, right? Um, I don't know. I just find it all very interesting. Yeah, this article comes out, um, Cuban calls it bullshit, and then Nelson and the maps decided to part ways. Yeah, 
that might be inferring too much. I know that's that's kind of the the talk of Twitter today. If that's that's who leaked it, um, uh, I think that the in my opinion at least the bigger thing with Donnie Nelson, who I've I've actually met by the way and hung out in his office. He was a super cool guy. Um, All right, why don't you flex on us more? Man? He <laughs> he lost. I mean, if you're the GM, like you should be kind of the end all be all like decision maker within the front office. And it seemed like he was losing that power to lower ranking officials of the front office. Um, and especially the guy that Luca was not fond of. I think that was more the reason for the ultimate parting of ways versus him leaking the story. And that being the reason he was, um, I mean, you can call it let go. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't see GMs just kind of come and go every day. So I think that was more of the the loss of power, kind of like a coach losing the locker room. He had kind of lost the power with. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I was waiting on Jacob there. No, uh, no. Yeah, you go first, Jacob. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on the whole Donnie Nelson situation. What does what does Dallas do from here? Um, who did they go with? So that's a question that I have no answer to. Um, Mike? I think the big, there you go. I, I think a lot of people, you know, immediately like, oh, what does this mean for Luca's future? Luca's supposed to comment on this tomorrow. But, like, Luca, as of, what, yesterday when the All-NBA teams came out, became qualified for the Supermax extension that he can only get with Dallas. He would be the first player uh, to not sign that extension, that Supermax extension. I think one of the only other uh, guys on a rookie-scale contract who took the qualifying offer instead of the extension uh, was Greg Monroe. Rodney Hood, too. Yeah, like, who gives a shit about Greg Monroe and Rodney (laughs) Hood? Like, No offense to those guys, right? But, I mean, like, we are talking seven or eight tiers below Luka Doncic. Like, Luka is going to sign that max extension – He's going to cash TF out. And then if push comes to shove later on down the line, he can ask for a trade. But I, I don't read anything into this as far as the Luca issue is concerned. They're not trading Luca. Luca's not going to say, oh, give me that $10 million qualifying offer. He's signing the five year, what is it, like $210 million? 201. Extension. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll move forward with that. And maybe in a few years, things change. And he wants out, but as of right now, like he ain't going anywhere. Yeah, and if he right. if he decided to go a different route, like trying to go the qualifying offer route, and then you know, if he basically if he wanted to play for another team, um, he would have to take somewhere between forty five and seventy five million less than than what he'd ultimately make on that two hundred one million dollar deal. It's in his best interest to be happy, go lucky, sign the two hundred million, and then go from there. Like Jacob said, it's. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing here, and just the last thing I want to mention on this, because I want to be sure to get through our chat questions, but um, we got to start talking a little more about Mark Cuban and his managing the team, um, his ownership. Like, congrats on getting that title with Dirk. That was awesome. Um, but you have all these, you know, sexual abuse um, cases or. Um, like, yeah, cases that got brought up. Um, sorry, I was a little distracted here. I have a dog whining in the background. Um, accusations that got brought up, and you apparently were just oblivious and had no idea that any of this was going on. Um, then you come out and call this whole thing BS. You're looking at some guy, some outsider, uh, outside of basketball coming in and, and giving him a ton of um, leeway and maybe authority within your, your organization when um, it's great to have, you know, outside, you know, guys thinking outside the box and bringing in some of those those outside thoughts um, into your organization and, and especially with a basketball team like that. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I think we really kind of have to start questioning Mark Cuban and uh, his leadership, especially with, with the Dallas Mavericks. I think that's fair. So, Jacob, we have quite a few. I really appreciate all you guys who jumped on the stage and talked with us, but um, also appreciate all of you guys in the chat. We have a bunch of questions. I know we've gone a little long here, so, Jake, you want to take us through the chat questions, and uh, we'll get through them all. Yeah, let's take a spin through the chat questions uh, and some of the comments as well. 
So Elijah said seven days till OKC gets Kate Cunningham. Um, <laughs> down to six days now, guys. So we're almost there. Uh, draft lottery. We've been talking and talking and talking about it. It's finally here, gentlemen. And it's going to really has the opportunity to change the course of the Oklahoma City Thunder franchise. So that's that's going to be exciting. Uh, M-A-N-A in the chat says, do we know who will be representing us in the draft lottery? We do not, but Nick and Taylor, who do you guys hope represents Oklahoma City on draft lottery night? Mm, we're going with the fun person. So, so, so tell, Nick, tell me who you who you want it to be, and then ultimately who, you, who think? you think it will be. I I I think it'll be Sam Presti. I think that's just the you know buttoned up shirt small market type organization Oklahoma City is um, who I'd like and, and who I also wouldn't be shocked to see is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so mites are actually different. Now, who I want, I mean, it's pretty obvious here. We want Poku. We want Poku out there. Oh, Jordan yeah, would be fun Poku. too, but like Poku would just be an absolute blast. You know, he's going out there. Imagine if they got the number one pick, he's going to be out there doing like his weird Poku dance that he was doing on the sidelines. It would just be incredible. See, that's my thing, Taylor. Like if Presti goes or if Mark Dagnall goes, there's going to be no reaction except like a little yeah. bit of a smile if they hit number one. You send Poku and that guy's going to do the worm in the middle of the floor. <laughs> like sign me up. The 7-2 worm. That's the snake, my <laughs> now, dog. Yeah, that's the snake. <laughs> well, well played. Um, now, who I think will go? I think it's gonna be Nick Carlson. Ooh, I like that one, Taylor. He's in the front office. He technically can. Yeah, I see you. All right, Nate Sanders in the chat says it's understandable why Cade isn't going to the combine, but is there any concern uh, that Suggs is not going? All other top five candidates are going except Cade and Suggs. Do you guys have any worry about Jalen Suggs uh, I, being at the Combine? That's really a question. I will say, before we jump into it, something to consider. Um, I think it doesn't mean a damn thing because every team gets a chance to interview and privately work out pretty much any player mm-hmm. they want. So, eh. Yeah. They really want I'm, their I'm, measure. I'm, I'm there with you, Nick. And... This is a way for Suggs to not have to go to the combine and instead just work uh, out for the top five teams. Exactly. exactly, exactly. You know, he, he you get to limit it and have it be much more controlled. You know, I think Suggs' agent probably knows as well that he's in that two to five range and do private workouts instead of public workouts to to keep everything kind of in house. We see that happen a lot. One one thing I'll mention here. Um, that I think is kind of underrated. I think the story of the draft combine so far has been who isn't there and, you know, talking about how that affects OKC and their potential top five pick or top seven, whatever it ends up being. Um, Keep in mind, like this is a huge opportunity for Sam Presti and, and the Thunder Scouts to look at all of these guys, because we've seen them have success with Lou Dort going on draft. We've seen them have success with, and I know it was international, it's a little bit different. There wasn't a combine last year, but like Poku and, and Teo and guys that are not necessarily those lottery guys, they've got picks, what is it, 34 and 36? Like this yes. is where you get to see uh, which one of those guys you want to bring yeah. in. 35 and 36. But yeah, yeah, this is a chance for you to, to scout all these guys. And Nick, uh, to add on to that, this is the only time that teams will get to talk to these players until – four years from now, whenever their rookie contract is up. And so you want to do your homework. Yeah. You want to do your homework and get your Intel now. That way, you know who you want to target and trades and whatnot in the future. Yep. People always think about the, the big names, but guys like Max Asmus out of ORU, like maybe he goes second round, maybe he goes undrafted because of his size. Maybe he rises, who knows? But if you end up trading back for pick, 51 and he's there and you've had a conversation with him and you know you like him you take him and no one talks about the the late second rounders that are at the combine no i think the yep. one thing i'll add there uh to your point nick about some of those those later picks that okc does have um friend uh, friend of ours Ryland styles of locked on thunder i haven't seen this elsewhere so I, I don't know if he's getting this from sources or what it may be um but for what it's worth he says um that apparently 
Uh, as reported right now is what he's saying, the Thunder workouts, Jordan Hall, Texas A&M, Alexander, oh, this is a fun last name, Mamu Kalashvili of Seton Hall. Oh, Paul. hell yeah, Taylor. <laughs> and Amir Sims of Clemson. So, uh, again, some of those guys that could be targeted there in the second round if, if Pressy is to keep those picks. Beautiful. I know. We, we uh, need that last name alongside Poku. It just would be <laughs> glorious. Silver asked, do you guys think Presti is going to be in the conversation for the Mavericks general manager position? That's a good question. But if he turned down even the opportunity to even just hear Boston sell pitch, sells pitch for their GM opening or president of basketball uh, operations opening, I don't think that he'll be interested in the Dallas Mavericks opening. But crazier things have happened. I, I really think it's going to be an internal hire. Yeah, and yeah. Taylor, I I agree with you. If he wasn't interested in, in the Boston job, uh, I don't think he'll be interested in the Dallas job. Even uh, hearing about he, the Boston job wasn't even like he was yes. offered it, <laughs> as far as we know. Let's see what other questions. Think about think about two. That's uh, going to work under Mark Cuban in a front office that is very. Um, rigid right now with a lot of negativity True. up in the air. Doesn't... Yes, exactly. And and the, Presti's current ownership lets him have leeway through his yep. job. Uh, if you go to Dallas, you are beholden to to uh, Mark Cuban, and so that would be very, very different. Yep. And uh, Bob, what's his face, apparently? Yeah, M-A-N-A <laughs> asks, do you think Mobley can fall to five? No. Ooh, yeah, I don't think he falls to five either. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, you know, so many places have him at pick number two or mo- have him mocked at pick number two right now. Would not be surprised to see him fall to three. I, I could even see him falling to four, but like Nick said, I, I would be very surprised if he goes above. Or sorry, if he goes I, below Kaminga. Yeah, I, I think it's more likely that Scotty Barnes goes five um, and, and jumps Kaminga than Kaminga jumps Mobley and Mobley slows yeah. to five. That's, that's, kind of that's a good man. point. Although you're, you guys, I'm telling you, not that it's going to, I don't think, like you said, I think that they say the top five are locked. I think the top four are really, really locked and five is maybe locked. I do think, again, this is not me saying he's going to jump into the top four. Kuminga's measurables, at the combine, and like when teams actually get a hold of all of his like metrics and stuff on drills, like this kid is a freak. Yeah. That's fair. The athleticism is off the charts. It might be more so than Jalen Green. It, I don't know. It, it, no, it's, it... We'll dive into it. Uh, yeah, here I guess here in a battle yesterday. Like yeah, he, he I, is I just think... he is just the the like prototypical wing that you want. Yeah, I think he and Scotty are really gonna show out at the combine as far as measurements, uh, verticals, wingspans. All that kind of stuff, and and I think yeah, I think they're both going to be similar, thought of similarly uh, when it all is said and done. Uh, that's all the questions in the chat. Thank you guys again so much. Before we get out of here, gentlemen, you know we got to do it. I only got six more days that I can do. Spin, it. spin. Got to hit that sim lottery button. That's boy. right. You know, it's. I, I was talking to something about this yesterday. It's going to get kind of boring once the lottery happens yeah. because, especially and if it's like wait until July. As much as it'd be great for the Thunder to get one and five, like we know they're taking it one, we would literally be talking about Scotty Barnes versus Jonathan Kuminga for the next month. Yes, yes, but uh, <laughs> hey, Nick, Nick, that is a good problem. That is to have. that is true. We we'll just spend every podcast just I, I don't know just gushing over Kate Cunningham. Yep. <laughs> all, all, all and doing that all for a month. For them to take like Suggs number one on draft night. Oh my god! You know he'd pull some shit. You know he'd pull some shit. Or some international right, player. The Thunder trade down to pick like number five, and or Kamiar would become the anti-Cade, and he would just talk about all the other <laughs> prospects that we should. Cade's just hey. low Ben Simmons. <laughs> hey, we need content. All right, boys. Well, here we go. Sim of the night for Tankathon. OKC Thunder end up with picks number two. And five. Yo. Yeah. All right. Got your, you, you got your Nick, center and power forward. Nick, Nick, yeah. tell me right now. Tenderland, two and five. Cade's off the board. Who are they taking? Mobley and Kuminga. Ooh, Taylor, do you agree? Uh, I want green and then uh, 
green in Kaminga, which is a little redundant. I get that. Or, but you have to go best available. I want green at two. Um, I think See, I think I, they got I, I love this two. because I want Suggs at two. I'm just I'm oh, fully aboard the Suggs train. So I like we all it. three have different opinions at number two. So maybe for podcast content, we want the Thunder to land at the number two <laughs> overall pick. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Lots of debates. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, again, thanks for all the comments and, and questions in the chat. We appreciate you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Really, really great um, audience tonight. All you guys tuning in, especially with that playoff game going on. We greatly appreciate all of you. Again, a very, very fun night in the NBA. I'm glad we kind of postponed our, our draft prospect breakdown another week because this was an absolute blast. So thank you all for tuning in to the Uncontested. Be sure to tune in. Um, again, we'll continue to have you all updated on uh, or have you guys posted on Wednesdays. Um, we'll be hanging out here in Green Room. Hopefully, we'll be able to get the, the audio issues um, fixed where we can speak through our podcasting equipment again, our phones, our headphones, and uh, we'll have those posted in podcast form every Wednesday. Now, obviously, you can always catch us 9 p.m. Sundays um, on our live streams on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, those also go live in podcast form immediately as soon as we're done. So be sure to stay tuned. Again, a very big week next week for the OKC Thunder as a franchise as a whole and also our fan base we're super excited very nervous Um, but until then and as always thunder up peace whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.